Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice, Dice in, in My Mind. I'm not sure it's gotten across to everyone who has been listening to us, either linearly in our episodes or just started or whatever the case may be, or you're listening to these long after they've been recorded, but we're a bit of Star Trek fans. So what's Star Trek? Um, yeah, it's a TV show and movies and stuff. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and um, obviously we've, we've looked at engaged with no Red. pun intended go on yeah yeah oh engage um engaged with all the different various iterations of the rpgs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh modifius who you know jason and i still get get giddy when modifius responds to a tweet of ours with a meme um but and that's not pretty Everybody no. seeing Brad get giddy. No one should have to go through that. No, 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 no. Sorry. Even my wife should. No, um, especially her. But they have come out with a phenomenal role-playing yeah. system. And and us just kind of working on this idea of trying to do Genesis using the Genesis mm-hmm. Star Trek is not mm-hmm. a, is not an indictment of the system. It's it's some of the most detailed, oh um, yeah, fantastic material that's out there. Um the Shackleton Expanse just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my copy this week. Um, the Player's Guide and the Game Master's Guides are coming out in Q1. Um, a lot is coming out. And luckily for us, yeah, we have someone who was involved, a lead writer for the Shackleton mm-hmm. Expanse, Yep, someone who has worked on and proofread. Um, both of the new guides are coming out. Kelly Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and so uh, in a in a moment, we're going to bring you our interview with with Kelly. And and again, Kelly, thanks so much, thanks so much for indulging us with the conversation, for giving us really interesting insights into both your background and your path into and beyond uh, Star Trek, uh, as as well as as just entertaining our questions about what it's like to write for for games so we don't want to spend much time on this intro because we want to get all of you into what what we think is just really a fun uh, insightful interview Uh, a lot to talk about there however before we get there brad and i are very pleased to share that uh, dyson mind is adapting once again as we continue to grow this podcast and as we continue to get listeners at last count, we are up to five, uh, but, but seriously, yep. Woohoo. That's right. We will, but, we will finally someday be able to count our listeners on two hands. That's right. That's right. Um, someday, maybe in 2023, someday. but, but the point is that in all seriousness, uh, as this little enterprise, no pun intended grows, uh, we, we want to do more and more. And so Brad and I are very pleased to share with you all, dear listeners, that beginning with this episode, we are going to be hosting a five interview run, a five interview series. Now, this this uh, suite of five interviews over the next five episodes, next five weeks, does not have a theme 
per se. Our goal is to bring you all interesting and diverse voices across games and perspectives and mechanics and narratives in the tabletop RPG world, always through the lens of RPGs informing real life and vice versa. And I think you will agree with us um, 40 some minutes from now that that Kelly Fitzpatrick as uh, author, educator, and geek very much fits that bill. So without further ado, we bring you this interview. Kelly Fitzpatrick is an author, editor, and educator from Michigan. Her Star Trek story, The Sunwalkers, was selected as a winner of the Strange New Worlds contest and is published by Simon & Schuster. She currently writes and edits for the Star Trek Adventures role-playing game line from Modiphius Entertainment. Her fiction is published by Flash Fiction Online, KYSO Flash, Crazy 8 Press, and others, and her poetry appears in Dune's Review and Still Life. She took fourth place in the 2016 International NYC Midnight Flash Fiction Challenge. Kelly's essays analyzing science fiction media appear on StarTrek.com, Women at Warp blog, and in anthologies from ATB Publishing and Sequoia. She serves on the board of directors for the Beaverton Activity Center and the Saginaw Bay Writing Project, and is an advocate for public education, gender equality and representation, and support for the arts in all their forms. So we have, as we mentioned before, we have a guest with us who... um, um, describes herself on her website as author, teacher, and geek. Mm-hmm. And we've talked before awesome. we hit the record button, and there's much more to add to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get to that during um, the episode. So, Kelly, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, big time. Thank you for yeah. having me. This is great. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's funny you you so you beat me to it, Brad. Because so Kelly, when you when we reached out to you to ask if we could chat with you, you very graciously said, "Sure." And then you're like, how did you find me? And I think, which is a really good question. I mean, I, I kind of made me think, why isn't anyone ask, uh, anyone else asking us this? Because it's like, that's a really important question when people you don't know ask you to interview. And, and I remember writing, I don't know if you remember this. I'm like, when we saw your tagline on your website, like, because we knew about you because of all the really cool things you've been writing, mm-hmm. especially around Star Trek and, and for Modiphius. And we're going to get into all that in a moment. But yeah, that author, educator, geek, I, I think I'd said this on my email, like we were sold. It's <laughs> like, we're, we're totally there. So, so maybe we could start by you just giving us a little background. I know we talked a little bit off air, but author, educator, geek, there's a ton of stuff. What's, what's the deal with that? What's the history? There is a ton of stuff. All of them are sort of connected, though. I think they're all, uh, at this point, just an inherent part of of my identity. Um, So I've been writing as long as I can remember, um, but I've been writing and publishing um, since 2016. Um, My first publication was actually a Star Trek story. It was Mm -hmm my Strange New Worlds short story um, that was for Simon & Schuster for their their contest. Um, And uh, since then, I've had the opportunity and pleasure to write several other short stories. I've written poetry and essay, and in the last couple of years, um, gotten involved with some game writing also. Um, And um, 
the educator part yeah. <laughs> of that, um, I went, my undergrad degree was uh, in secondary English education, and mm -hmm. I worked for um, eight years as a public high school teacher in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Um, and advised the yearbook there, um, and also ran um, an after-school creative writing club and some other things. And so, like, my writing was all was often um, sort of intersecting with the classroom <laughs> in a way. Right. Um, I sometimes I would bring in my pieces and let the kids tear them apart as you know exercises. Mm -hmm. And then, especially once we got, um, we called it uh, the. Uh, student authors guild once the the nice. after school writing club got rolling then we got to really get into creative writing um, uh, stuff after school um, so that that's one of the most fun things I've ever done um, and on as far as the geek front goes I've been a fan of sci-fi my entire life um, especially Star Trek this was a, a family affair I remember watching Deep Space Nine and Voyager when they were on originally in the 90s with my parents uh, and just being sort of, uh, you know, enamored with that view, that optimistic yeah. view of the future and, and of space. And so that has sort of carried with me forward into, I guess, every aspect of my career now. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and I'm totally okay with it. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It is a very beautiful thing. We're going to ignore the fact that DS9 is Brad's favorite trek and that by the time DS9 came out, I was already well into grad school and we were both grown adults, but glossing over that part. Um, <laughs> it's uh, for the reminder. By yeah, me. right. Well, we were talking about this off air and yeah, it's yeah. harder and harder to to look at ourselves um, and think of ourselves as, as young, though I'm, I'm going to go with youngish. So we'll, <laughs> or relevant. Re it, it, yeah, like time, it's relative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, that's so cool. So I know we really want to get into, into the Star Trek writing, but I just want to call out how really impressive it is that out of the gate, you landed a story with one of the major publishers. I mean, that's that's huge. That had to be pretty darn exciting. It was very exciting and very overwhelming yeah. <laughs> because I had no experience with publishing, you yeah. know, up until that point. And so it was a very like zero to 60 experience. Mm -hmm. um, but I think getting that phone call was probably one of the coolest moments of my life. Um, and it, it sort of pulled me into this whole community of Star Trek writers, yeah. which is so supportive. Um, they're wonderful people. And they sort of helped me fill in nice. the gaps and, and get caught up. Oh, um, really cool. And so it's it's been um, just a, a real blessing to get to be a part of that yeah. world and to yeah. get that experience, like you said, sort of um, out of the gate. It, it was really fun. So now you... You now, fast forward a handful of years, you've been very busy writing quote unquote Star Trek with Modifius yes. for their publication. So we want to get into the nuts and bolts of that because that's absolutely fascinating. But what what got you there? Like how I, I get the geekery. We both get the geekery. But how did you end up landing that opportunity to write for RPGs? Sure. So, um, so from my Star Trek fiction piece that was published by Simon and Schuster, yeah. I was contacted by some folks to write essays about Star Trek. So like mm -hmm. um, analytical commentary stuff. And I had a blast doing that. Nice. Um, I did a couple of those. Uh, and then I, a couple of my friends in the Star Trek writing world, um, Dayton Ward and um, Scott Pearson, were mm -hmm. pulled in by Modifius to sort of jumpstart the Star Trek Adventures line when it first yeah. began. Okay. And I heard about this and I thought it sounded really cool. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out 
um, to the uh, project manager, Jim Johnson, and said, uh, I would, I have some experience doing Star Trek writing. Is this something that, you know, I could potentially do? And he said, sure. And so I got pulled into that and it's so awesome. <laughs> it's just been an absolute blast getting to work on uh, several books now. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I didn't have RPG writing experience, mm -hmm. but I had Star Trek writing experience. And right. so um, like writing for the Star Trek RPG is, if you're familiar with how Star Trek storytelling works like mm -hmm. that is the nuts and bolts of it and then you have sort of the uh the context is the is the rpg stuff around it okay. um, and so i got to learn all of that stuff yeah. and then found out that i really like playing rpgs <laughs> and writing for them and so That's like awesome. now i'm just like part part of this world and becoming more and more part of this world um so you know it's 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 all good i i found something that i really love I was oh, going to ask, now that you've been writing, have you been playing? And yes. Answer, so, yep, I've got to play um, Star Trek Adventures. I got to play um, the the Star Wars, um, was it Edge of the Empire? Yeah, oh, we know that one. Yeah, <laughs> yep. that's, that's Jason's favorite. Love it. Uh, yeah. It's such a fun game. I got to play so, that one um, with, so much uh, fun. with Jay, who designed the system. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, that's he, awesome. He's the best game master for that system, by the way. Well, it's his system. <laughs> it's yeah. His system, oh, my God. It was incredible. Um, so, yeah, it's it's I've I haven't found one yet that I didn't like playing. So I think good for is, you, it's a good it's a good sign. Okay, So speaking of writing and playing, so you've been really busy writing and, and editing for Modifius. Mm -hmm. You've you've been proofreader, which I said off air, sounds like this remarkably high responsibility, just downright painful responsibility. <laughs> but you were proofreader for the, I guess, I mean, they're out in PDF, but the print is coming yes. hopefully Q1 of this uh, of this year as we as we broadcast this. So for the, the player's guide and the game master's guide, which are just gorgeous, mm -hmm. gorgeous volumes. So, so good trek. Like oh I say, that is yes. a lifelong trekkie, right? Like, and they're a role-playing game, but like, like so good trek. And then you actually were involved with the writing of Shackleton. Correct. Yep. Um, so anything you want to share about those processes, we would love to hear. So for the player's guide and the game master's guide, um, I had a blast proofreading these. Um, proofreading uh, is... I guess it's painstaking in the sense that you have to pay very close attention. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been working with the style guide for Star Trek Adventures for long enough now that like I can kind of, cause I, I have to do that when I'm writing for it anyway. Right. Um, and it's kind of fun to like, you know, comb through it and, and try to get it to be in its perfect state so that it's aligned the best way so that the players are going to get or the players of the game masters or whoever's reading this mm -hmm. is going to get the absolute most out of it that they can. And by the time it's at the proofreading stage, there aren't very many errors, you know, it's already mm -hmm. gone through mm -hmm. editing and everything. And um, so I got to read the books. Like <laughs> I was just like, wow, this is good. Wow. This is good. Like they're, yeah. they're just full of such great information. And I was yeah. surprised um, just I, how well I thought it was aimed at a totally broad audience. Like mm -hmm. someone who's never played an RPG before at all could yeah. pick up the player's guide and have, here's your primer on how to play a yes. game, not just Star Trek Adventures, yeah. but like in general, how it works. 
or if you've been game mastering for 20 years, there's extra cool stuff in this guide that will enhance mm -hmm. your ability to do the game. So that, mm -hmm. that was really, really fun um, to do that, but they are very long books. <laughs> so yeah. it is, you know, the, it's, it's no small task to do that, but I'm very glad I got to sort of contribute in a small way to, yeah. to the success of those. Um, and then for Shackleton, I had the absolute honor of being one of the primary writers on this book. Wow. And the, the whole idea behind the Shackleton Expanse book, uh, the campaign guide, was that there's this uh, area of Star Trek space that was sort of carved out that's never been explored. Mm -hmm. And um, Jim said, you know, invent a world, invent a species that's original, that is playable, that we oh can God. put in this expanse that yeah. gives game masters like just a huge new variety of stuff to play with. Um, and, and that's just, you know, there's several new species like that, but there's also just new anomalies and there's new star systems. And this book is just full of new stuff. Um, yeah. But I had an absolute blast coming up with this. Like this is, this is like, uh, you know, for someone who absolutely loves the Star Trek universe, I got to take everything uh, that I love about the universe and combine it with my own interests mm -hmm. um, and, and make something real. And then the artists, you know, brought it to life and, right. and Jim worked his magic to sort of make all these pieces fit together into this cohesive thing. And it, yeah. it's just a beautiful book. So what I've got a couple of questions about that, but I'm I'm most curious and more curious at the moment. What is particularly you in Shackleton? Like you said, you know, you've got you you put some of your passions, your interests. If we were looking through Shackleton, where are you? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Um, so I'm very interested in philosophy mm -hmm. and specifically in metaphysics. Mm -hmm. And so when I was designing my species, they're called Calmerans. Mm -hmm. um, I made them non-humanoid, they're crystalline, yep. Yep. and they have some interesting abilities that I thought um, opened up some opportunities for players who like the cerebral side of Trek, which yep. I do. Yep. Um, so they have some time-shifting abilities. Um, they can uh, do some interesting stuff at the end of their lifespan. They can become ships. <laughs> and so... Um, and then I also just love, um, like in my writing, I try to invoke really vivid settings mm -hmm. um, and especially ones that are just really striking and beautiful when, when I can. Um, and so I got to do that with this planet. I made it a tidally locked world. And so yeah. most of these beings live in an area on the planet that's sort of eternally under the sunset sky. It's an oceanic mm -hmm. world. There are giant jellyfish swimming in the atmosphere. Like, <laughs> I just got to have fun and say, you know, what's what's my ideal planet that I want to visit um, and go check out, you know, when I'm on my my Starfleet vessel. And it's I I want to go visit Calmira. <laughs> were, were you told? Were you were you ever told? Okay, this one's too far. It's too fanciful. No, in fact, Jim wow. encouraged us like the sky's the limit because with an RPG book, you don't have the same constraints that you have with right. like a live action television show. Right. You don't have makeup problems. You don't have special effects. They're going to pay an artist to make a sketch of this regardless of what it looks like. So there, yeah. there's, yeah. it's really like whatever you want to come up with as long as um, it fits in the Star Trek um, universe and ethos. And as long as it can be made playable and fit within the Star Trek Adventures mm -hmm. um, rules, mm -hmm. um, 
which, you know, like I said, um, Jim was very helpful in, in making sure, like he helped us with course corrections and like, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. should consider this and maybe we want to do this with, with this, you know, he's just a really supportive editor in general, but um, yeah. like we, we were really given a lot of freedom as, as writers on that book. Sounds like just so much philosophy, so much Star Trek, cerebral, all the best cerebral. Things. Yeah. Jason, and- keep a, keep a, keep, we'll keep kelly three hours if we're not careful well and it was also fun because um that book has a a saga of several interconnected adventures Mm -hmm. um that all involve the tilly call which is a a continuation of the living campaign Mm, um and so all of us dayton and scott and myself and derek and Aaron and Jim, all the writers on the book, we really had to collaborate and make, we had to make our pieces fit together yeah. with each other. So it was one continuous book. And I got to work really closely with my friend Derek um, to do that. And mm-hmm. it was just a very collaborative, fun project to be a part of. So uh, that kind of brings me to the other question I've been been really looking forward to asking you, especially because you write on both sides of the coin, right? You're an, a, an author, you write, and you also write for RPGs. And obviously, though, that, that, that Venn diagram overlaps a lot in the best of both worlds. But I'm really curious. I think we're really curious. What's it like writing this kind of material specifically for an RPG? I mean, on the one hand, like I think Brad and I would argue you, and this is just, this really blows my mind. And I mean that in the, the highest form. You've written soft canon. For Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at what Modiphius is putting out in general, and it's like the only thing I can compare this to, and to, to I think this is just the, again, a really serious compliment I think anyone would weigh. You go back to the original West End material for Star Wars, and right, that was a reciprocal process between the original trilogy and the prequels of this was soft canon, right? Canon fed the game, the game ended up feeding canon. A lot of what we saw in the prequels came out of West End. And I mean, maybe I'm being optimistic here, but still what you guys are writing, you and the others, especially that someone finally opened up the beta quadrant, right? <laughs> After how long? Um, I mean, 50 years. This is this is soft canon. So there's a real, I mean, I would think there's a real responsibility here and there's a ton of creativity, but what's it like writing this kind of material that has to fit an RPG versus it could have been a novel from you and you could do really whatever you want. Yeah, there's there definitely is a responsibility there. Um, and there's an expectation that you, if you're going to do this kind of writing that you understand the heart of what Star Trek is right. um, and that you have widely watched, you know, if not all, then almost all of the hard canon of the, the televised shows mm-hmm. and, and movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're kind of expected to have a level of competence in handling those those things. Yeah. Um, but we also do have canon editors that, like this stuff has to go through CBS to get approved. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, someone is, you know, Jim is checking us and then mm-hmm. there's a canon editor that's checking us. And yep. so, you know, there, if we're slightly off on something, you know, it's going to get caught and fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I guess, um, 
it, it, it really comes down to like understanding what are the driving forces um, behind Star Trek? Like, what is it about at its core um, mm-hmm. that makes it a Star Trek story? And for me, a lot of that is the optimism. Yeah. Um, and also the diversity yeah. and the egalitarian approach, mm-hmm. um, you know, to to building a society and including folks. And so, like those those sorts of things are fun to play with. I write a lot of um, uh, like solar punk style stuff, mm-hmm. which is yeah. like optimistic, future looking, yeah. not dystopian. <laughs> and Star Trek is one of the few long long lasting franchises out there that really does yeah. take a an optimistic view of like, you know what, humanity might get its stuff together enough to, yeah. you know, to, to really give people an opportunity yeah. um, to live their best lives uh, and interact with, with other people out there. So, so it's a responsibility, but it's, um, it's a fun one. And it, yeah. it's one that's like, you know, it's an honor to, yeah. to get to do this and to get yeah. to Beautiful. contribute. Well, you're writing something. And if, if, you know, obviously Paramount or whomever it might be is validating it, then you're writing something that we might see someday. Not that, not that the true. writing isn't good enough on its own. Now you might have television. Right. They, that, is the, uh, that is the thing with tie-in fiction is that it's in their IP and so they can do whatever they want right. with it once it's there. Um, yeah. I have no idea if they will choose, you know, to do yeah. that, but it's yeah. um, the you never know what's going to show up on yeah. the screen. We'll, we'll call <laughs> it the we'll call it the Titan effect, and yeah, we'll yeah. just all cross our fingers. It, it's happened several times on the shows, right? Where we're like, "Oh, hey, that's yeah. from a novel." Well, and <laughs> like, especially, especially with the freedom again, like you were saying, with the books and the illustrations, right? The illustrators can do, the artists can do anything you can imagine, right? And and now we see things like, especially lower decks, yep. where you know you've got these people who are so deeply immersed in Trek and, and for the reasons you just cited and that we, we share with you and, um, and they're, they're going out of their way, you know, McMahon and the others clearly like going out of their way to manifest these things that have been on the other side of Canon for so long, but have been so impactful for people because they do represent the best of what Trek as an aside. It's funny. Cause I don't know where it, I'm looking at my bookshelf. Sorry. I, I, well, I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is, right? I think I have one of the first anthologies of solar punk that came out. Oh, I, cool. It's, I, it's, well, now is not the time to look for it, but yeah, that, that's, that's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Have you thought about, you know, if you were to step away from track, obviously you're, we'll get to this in a minute, but you have some other activities you're involved with that take priority. But um, <laughs> if you stepped away from, from track, um, Jason, you're not going to edit this out. No, um, no, no. What would you, what do you think if you stayed in the sci-fi area? Is, is there something that comes to mind that you think you might want to write for or write with or write yeah. about someday? Yeah. So I really would like to write my own original novels um, in, in my own worlds that I create. Nice. Um, and uh, I don't know exactly yet what I want those to look like, but I'm leaning pretty heavily into the solar punk uh, mm-hmm. tone of mm-hmm. let's imagine what this might look like uh, if we were able to create something worth worth living in. Um, and let's imagine some positive outcomes, especially now in this sort of era of history. I think um, maybe yeah. people need that. 
um, need those things to look for. Uh, and you know, I, I love writing tie in fiction. Um, and I hope to get the chance to do that, you know, continuing into the future. Um, I would love to write a Star Trek novel someday. I would love to work with some other IPs that I really enjoy. Um, but I also definitely want, uh, to write my own books and, and create my own worlds. I've been, um, I've, I've been reading a lot of Becky Chambers lately. Yes, I love her. Oh my God, is she good? For just the reason you said, Mm -hmm. right? That that it's so positive and ridiculously creative. And it's hard to find those outside of Trek. I I mean, I just, I've read a lot of sci-fi over the years and um, and I've read a bunch of good sci-fi. I mean, I I love Asimov as much as anyone, Mm -hmm. but- um, but it's hard to find good sci-fi in this direction. And it's hard to find good sci-fi in this direction that that speaks to today. Like you were talking a moment ago about how, how Trek embodies, increasingly embodies the openness, right? Truly idic in a modern sense. It's taken 55 years to get there, <laughs> but no, no, re- but really, I mean, right? I mean, it's yeah. taken 55 years, but, but you know, 21, 2021, 2022, these, the, these years forward now, ignoring the irony of where we are historically, especially in this country, it's like the promise of Trek, of having this true uh, society based on enlightenment thinking in the best sense of that, balanced with this deep compassion. Mm-hmm. right it's 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 a heck of a time to to have trek and it just it blows our minds that you know you get to play in that world so deeply so yeah. i think it's it's hard to it's hard to you know like kelly you said i mean this is a very tough period mm-hmm. for all of us none of us grew up like this and right. i have two kids and they are two kids that were old would be old enough to be in one of your classes mm-hmm. and they have mm-hmm. a different perspective and it's more negative you know, it, or there's hope, but hope seems far off. Sure. So, you know, that type of writing, I think, is extraordinarily important now because mm-hmm. it's going to affect Gen Z and and beyond. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good for if you, you s- for stopping on the Gen Z part. Brad usually says just that Gen Z and then it's a 20 minute diatribe <laughs> of all of these erroneous generalizations. But sorry, you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. I said no, I said Gen Z and I stopped on purpose because I, I knew I'd get the hand wave if I yeah, went well, down that direction. Yeah. Well, this so, was something that I saw in my classroom when I taught high school is how yeah. powerful good books can be for for teenagers and for young Mm -hmm. folks and for adults too but Mm -hmm. but especially having um books that can inspire uh inspire kids it is really important well my my daughters are 14 and 16 and i look at what they read and how many you know uh, i am primarily overwhelmingly female authors but you know not surprisingly um but but i look at what that does for them and it's amazing I mean, it's just, I don't think it can be overstated. So speaking of being in school, because I think this is where Brad was going, you're back in school, huh? I am. I am currently getting my uh, master's degree, my MFA in creative writing and environment. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the environment part. So say a little more about that if you would. Yeah, so I'm at Iowa State University, and their program is, uh, I believe, the only one in the nation that has an environmental focus. And so what that means is they allow us to sort of choose an environmental lens that we want to spend part of our degree learning about and and have that then inform our writing. Excellent. Um, Excellent. And so, you know, I'm, I'm looking at 
um, outer space as an environment. I'm looking at human mind and, and ethics as an environment. I'm looking at climate change stuff. Um, and they, they really, I, I love this program. Uh, they didn't pay me to say this, by the way. <laughs> but uh, it, it, I've really gotten a lot of space to explore uh, these, these topics. Uh, so it, it really feels like a on the ground um, field experience uh, type of degree. That, that is then feeding into the, the pieces that I'm working on. That's fascinating. Really cool. The environmental component is fascinating. Just yeah. and, and when you were speaking about environment, you said space, but then you mm-hmm. also were speaking of the mind mm-hmm. as an environment. And I don't think people necessarily think about it that way. So Yeah, we spend a lot of, well, we spend all of our lives in the environment of our mind, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but I really like philosophy. And so um, just looking at how, how the, the nature of our mind and consciousness, how that interfaces with the, the other environments around us, mm-hmm. I'm very fascinated in. And I think that can inform science fiction writing in some yeah. pretty interesting ways. Yeah. So I'm experimenting with that and, and hopefully we'll have <laughs> some interesting things that come out of it. Well, we are looking forward to reading those big time. So um, before we let you go. Uh, I have a question before. we. Oh, no. Okay. So you, before we do that, you ask your question. I was just going to say and this um, again, Jason has the cerebral questions. I have the silly ones, but um, so when you, when you play, mm-hmm. um, what do you play as? Do you play as a science officer oh, that's such a or, good question. you know, how do you, how do you play? And you may play more than one. Sure. Um, my most long-running character is a chief engineer on a Luna class vessel, uh, and she is she inspires me. <laughs> she's Bajoran, and she's amazing. I love playing her, um, and it's very interesting that um, I, I could talk for half an hour just on this, but it's very interesting to me the way that she's developed her own personality over the course of me playing her, yeah. um, even to the extent that like I've occasionally I've like looked at something I've seen a picture or whatever and like had an emotional reaction to it as this character like not as myself but like my character would feel this way about this thing um so it's been yeah I just really have gotten gotten uh attached (laughs) so I noticed ironically I noticed when you joined us this evening you are wearing operations yellow that is a coincidence or not (laughs) Well, maybe, maybe I'm representing my engineer <laughs> here. <laughs> Who <awesome>. knows? <laughs> but you've, you're playing a character that you see as an independent entity. Correct. It's not you as a, that's it's awesome. not you. It's an independent character. And that's something that's you and I have talked just you and I have talked yeah. about it. Yeah. People aren't, aren't, I, I didn't realize that that has really permeated role play. Mm. Oh, interesting. So, whereas people, you know, I joke with Jason, um, just based off of his background, you know, that I thought he'd play a caster when we'd play fantasy mm-hmm. wizard or something like that. Jason plays a, what do you play a, a warrior? I can't remember what it was. Oh, but. he's um, in D and D he is. Um, and he's an eldritch knight, uh, psionically powered elf. Oh, that's cool. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, 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 we, yeah, we were talking about because, right, it's kind of like, I mean, you're, you're, you're a creative person, but you're playing an engineer, right? Mm-hmm. I think some of these characters, they allow us to express aspects of ourselves where we don't have that opportunity. 
Right. Yeah. And to really give them maybe a different personality or a different right. set of values than, than, you know, yeah. I as the player hold as a chance to think through how would someone with this value system respond right. to this event or, you know, this set of circumstances. It's, a, it's an interesting mental exercise that I think is really fun. Yeah. So did you, did you have, again, I, I asked the silly questions. They're not overly cerebral, but um, did you, when you were deciding what to play your longest running, was it kind of roll the die? Here's what I'm going to be, or, um, you know, Oh, I know I want to be an engineer. Well, um, as a group, we sort of got together and we're like, do you want to play the, the science officer? Do you want to play this? But I mean, I was kind of, gravitating toward this. Um, my dad is a computer programmer and mm-hmm. is very engineering minded. Mm-hmm. Um, he works on machines. And, and so like, I kind of grew up around that kind of mentality, even though that's not what I am as a, as a yeah. profession, it fascinates me. And so um, I thought, you know, this would be, this would be pretty cool to, to get to dive into, uh, into this. Whereas, you know, me, my personality would likely end up in science or, or ship's counselor or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> communications, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so, yeah. What was it like? And part three of a three-part question now, what was it like playing your first time? Cause obviously you didn't play, Jason and I played very little growing up. Yep. This was more mm-hmm. of an adult thing. Obviously it's an adult thing for you. What was that experience like? It felt like the coolest instance of improv theater that I have ever experienced. Like the, the GM did a fantastic job of setting the scene and dropping us in. And I just got to create dialogue for my character That's on the cool. spot. And it was so fun. We, we play from like a cinematic uh, mm-hmm. perspective of like, we're, we're trying to basically create episodes, yeah. you know, as we go that, that have a consistent story arc. And, um, and that happened like <laughs> in the moment. And it, uh, it's amazing, not just for me to be able to participate in that, but also just to hear all the other um, players and characters contribute to that. There's a, there's a real energy and a vibe um, that manifests and, and you guys know this because you play, but um, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts yeah. in a role-playing game when everyone is all in. That's cool. Yeah. So do you have time to play now though, with everything going on? <laughs> you know, I haven't since I started, um, since I started my degree, but there are plans in the works for next semester. Now that I nice. kind of have gotten, you know, I have my sea legs now for yep. how this works. And so um, I miss it. And we're, we're definitely diving back in. <laughs> are you playing with the people that you've written with and folks at Modifius or other? Um, so I, I got the chance to play with them for a long time. Um, yeah. And hope to get to again. Um, but next semester, I'm I'm hoping to get together some local folks here at the college who are cool. who are interested. Some of them yeah. who've played before, and some of them who have not. So That's I might amazing. get to introduce some folks to the game. Do you get to GM? Um, I will likely end up doing that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to do it well? I don't know. <laughs> but well, I have I, the game master's guide now. I was going to so. say we we we've heard that they've written some good material. <laughs> So, I mean, you can always riff off of that. Shackleton, we hear, is really good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I hear. The Klingon, the Klingon book, too, is really good from the DM perspective. The game master. Oh, gosh. Oh you know what? The Klingon book is amazing. Um, I just, that, that thing is, it's so big and it's so beautiful. And the, the rules are laid out really well in that book, for sure. See, Jason, did you hear that? I, 
I've already bought one. I'm not telling my wife about. I've got to pace myself now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, the Klingon book. It, uh, man, the layout. It, uh, it, it really comes across as Klingon, mm-hmm. which really. But, but so to the player's guide and the GM guide, right? The like the Vulcan that's just in the margins. It's those little touches. It really, it really. I think Modifius is just when it comes to all of those typesetting formatting like even having the 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 two guides next to each other right on the screen it's like wow that's i mean kudos to whoever proofread that sucker because they are really i mean they line up well right these clearly Mm -hmm. are are intended they're clearly not just written but designed as flip sides of a coin right the subtle differences in color but the consistency of layout things like that it really works Well, and I think, um, you know, I can't speak for Modifius on this, but I think my impression is that as a company, they're very aware of how immersive Star Trek is as an experience. That's part of its draw is that we get to be pulled into the, you know, 23rd century or whatever. And we really feel like we're part of that when we were watching the show or whatever. And so um, I I think their game materials really reflect that Mm -hmm. um, really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best Star Trek game by far. Oh, that's ever been out without question. Yeah. Oh, my God. And we're old enough to have tried a little bit of each of them. So I mean, you are. Uh, Yeah, this is. Well, and as as someone who, you know, this this system was the first one that I learned, but I found Mm -hmm. it very easy, like the the 2D20 um, dice system that Modifius uses for Star Trek Adventures, I think is really straightforward. It was very Mm -hmm. easy to pick up on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I think it's a great one for folks to start with, even if they've never done role playing before. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll, we're running low on time, but I would have, I, you know, you've played Star Wars, you've played the narrative dice system, mm-hmm. you've played both of them. You really like the narrative, the ease of D twenty. Um, both go, both Jay Little inventions, right? Yes, the original yes, D twenty, the two D twenty was both. his too. Yeah, correct. Yes, yeah. This might be why I love both of them is he right. just does really good work. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> but, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Brad, I cut you off. You were going to say something. No, 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 you go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, so, no. okay, so Kelly, in addition to all the really neat things that you're, you've written and that you're working on and that are to come, if people want to follow you beyond the books, where should they be looking? So I have a uh, website that is kellyfitzpatrick.com mm-hmm. um, where I post you know, stuff that's coming up uh, and books that come out and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, I am on Twitter at kellyfitzwrites. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of my, my public presence. Um, I am occasionally at, uh, geek conventions. <laughs> uh, I'm usually at the Shoreleaf convention in Baltimore, um, which hopefully will happen this coming summer. We've been on hi- hiatus for a little while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's on my website also. And Excellent. you're speaking, it looks like just peaking, you're speaking as we write, as we're, as this is released, you're speaking next month in February at virtual Farpoint, right? Um, if, is it virtual? They, they were going to do it um, in person. Oh, it said, vir- it said virtual here, but you never, you know, hopefully not. But, if, yeah. if it's virtual, then I will be able to participate, but unfortunately mm-hmm. I can't leave yeah. uh, and go in the middle of the semester. So I hope they get to do it in person, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. but yeah, we'll, we'll see how all of that shakes out. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to see folks at conventions again, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. Well, Kelly, this has just been a treat. Thank you so much for taking some time with us. Yes, thank you for having me. This was a pleasure. All right. What do you think of that, Brad? 
You know, I, I probably, or I didn't probably, I did not give her enough credit in the intro in terms of um, who she is. She's, she's so much more than Trek. It's just fascinating to talk mm-hmm. to someone who yeah. has written mm-hmm. for the modern Trek RPG. Yeah. Yeah. But when you listen to her talk about, um, you know, ethics and philosophy and mm-hmm. um, solar punk and this idea of yeah, very cool. um, a more egalitarian, hopeful society, especially now, um, hearing her talk about that, you know, knowing that she's going to go to school and she's going to be teaching again, like she said, that's cool. Um, yeah. You know, it, it just, it's, it's hopeful for me that, that Kelly, we have people like you out there that are going to be teaching mm-hmm. and, and bringing that attitude and that type of th- that to our bringing that the, the, perspective right the the yes. goodness of humanity and and the ability of logic of reason of compassion to move our species forward absolutely so with that let's wander over for a moment to the gm corner uh as as you all hear this it is the very end of the first month of 2020 to how about that and so let's just take a moment very briefly and talk about what we've been reading or working on and i will give you all a very brief very brief update on uh a little bit more of trek and then we promise next week is going to be not trek at all uh but then we're getting back to it so brad and i have been diligently at work uh, on our Genesis port of Star Trek, what we are calling Star Trek Frontiers. Now we're a ways off from we're a ways off from releasing anything. We're a ways off from sharing a ton of the details because we really need to test a number of these components before we're comfortable showing anyone else what we've got. However, as of this episode, we have working a working character sheet, vehicle sheet, basic stats for uh, ships, for weapons, for core species, uh, and and you know a lot of a lot of headcanon um, based off of the Genesis system, and so that's where we are. That's where we are in terms of our our adaptation using the narrative dice system. We'll be saying more about that as uh, as winter wraps up. Uh, Brad, what have what have you been been working on or reading or playing with in brief before we wrap up the corner? So from my perspective, obviously we just got done talking about the Shackleton Expanse. So that's been um, <laughs> on my radar, but I just got it yesterday. So I haven't been able to dive deep into it. Um, the other one is one that I sent a picture to Jason of it's, it's published by burning wheel, who obviously I have an obsession. Yeah. With. Cause you just, you just sent me a little picture of the corner of it. So what's the reveal? Yeah. So, so dungeon world, it's a, it's a product that came out from, um, another group and, um, and burning wheel is publishing it now. It's a little bit different. It's a little more, it's, it's more of a quick hit than okay. burning wheel is, but, um, I found a cheap copy of Torchbearer, which is a system, a gaming system that's based off of Burning Wheel as well. 
So those are the ones, those are the ones I'm working on next. All right. Very good. Well, with that, uh, we hope you enjoyed the interview with Kelly Fitzpatrick as much as we did, because we really did. Uh, we wish you all well, Kelly. Thanks again. Thank you for taking the time with us. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, everyone be well, stay well. We will see you next week.